Digital Gonzo, episode 63, dated Thursday the 22nd of March 2012. What happened to game? Greetings all, this is going to be a discussion about the decline of Britain's leading high street video game store, Game, as well as GameStation, who are part of the same group. As we speak, they are merely days away from very possibly going into administration following financial difficulties. And as I edit this only two days later, they have actually subsequently gone into administration. That's how fast these stories move, folks. So we're going to ask how it came to this, how much it's going to affect the gaming market in the UK, and we hope we'll go some way to explaining what the hell is going on when the deadline hits in a few days' time. My wingmen circling the twitching frame of this former high street giant are James Batchelor of Gameburst and MCV magazine. Hello. And Gary Blower, also of Gameburst. We're your friends. We're your friends. We're your friends to the bitter end. The bitter end. Right, so uh, I have got some bullet-pointed questions here, and I'm fairly certain that... Imagine that I don't know anything about finance, and neither does my audience. Uh, you're going to have to speak in ways that we can understand this. What state are game in right now, exactly? They are, they are on the brink of administration. They're beyond the brink. And I on the, you say very possibly at the start, I honestly don't see a way out of it. There wasn't. As it stands, their debt is at £180 million. They need to find that money by Saturday, the 24th of March, because that's the next day that they have to pay wages and they have to pay rent for all the stores that they own. They own more than 600 stores. I think it's 660 stores across mm. the UK. The people that own that, the, you know, the land that those shops are building, the, you know, the store units, they need that rent money on March 24th. They, all in all, it comes to £180 million to raise in less than five days. It's probably worth explaining what, what administration means and why, yes, why they're in this situation as well. So uh, basically a company goes into administration normally voluntarily, but it can be ordered by the courts, which is, tends to happen with football clubs and the inland revenue but basically when it can't meet its debts so it's basically like it's kind of like declaring bankruptcy um i've actually been a victim of it twice myself two companies i've worked for have gone into administration so i've experienced which two companies are you at liberty to say yes they were one was called uh clearvision and the other one was called fmi solutions they were small consultancy it consultancy firms with about 25 30 staff and uh, basically you know it normally comes out of the blue you get a phone call to say the company's going into administration, um, so you're not going to get paid. <laughs> That's normally the first you hear. Yeah. Um, it's normally the, the the root cause, and it is in this case of being in this situation. It is normally a cash flow problem. And if you take a business like Game, they make all their money in the latter half of the year. And what they've done through the years when they've been successful is they've made, you know, a shitload of money leading up to Christmas, mm-hmm. and then they've had a whole load of cash in the bank which they then basically chip away at through the rest of the year. And um, what Game have also historically done um, for the last two or three years to kind of fuel their expansion is they've also borrowed money from the bank, um, in addition to having what is essentially credit agreements with their suppliers. Mm-hmm. So it's quite common in retail to sort of buy stuff on a kind of almost like a sale or return agreement where you have an insurance policy. So you, you buy, say, 10,000 copies of Spyro or something, um, and you do that on credit from the supplier or from the, 
the what the the, the middleman. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you don't sell them all, you can return some and get some of your money back. And there's normally right. there's normally these complex insurance arrangements and stuff that go go. And part of the problem that gamers had is that first of all that big pot of cash they had, and as of last uh, as of 2010 they still had 110 million in the bank. Yeah. That pot of cash has just got eaten away for various reasons. And there are loans that they restructured with a number of investors, including um, three of the biggest banks in the UK, uh, RBS being the biggest one. Mm-hmm. Um, that loan facility ran out. They basically ran out of money. They couldn't, they couldn't draw any more down on it. it was their overdraft effectively was maxed out. And then their credit agreements with their suppliers, they then desperately tried to renegotiate and they try to get better terms, so longer-term arrangements, lower interest rates, that kind of thing. Mm. Um, but effectively, their their credit was bad. So um, the the suppliers basically said, "Well, your credit's bad. We can't get the insurance, and so therefore we can't we we can't give you that stock on just on good faith alone." And that's where they've ended up. So they've they've gone from having a big pot of cash that they had every year, mm. and particularly in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, had an enormous pot of cash. And that's gradually got chipped away and chipped away and chipped away to the point where they've had a bad Christmas, so they've not generated enough money that they need to then see them through the rest, yeah. of, the rest of the year. The banks have said, no, we want, you can't borrow anymore. In fact, now we want our money back. And as James said, they've got these big bills coming at the end of the financial year yeah. for their rent, for their wages, and for various other things. And they basically don't have any other means of funding it and so for that reason they then go into administration and they appoint an accountant who then comes in and effectively tries to sell the company or break it up in order to pay the debtors off right that's where they are and i want to ask how they even got into this situation anyway did they not foresee that they would uh, have a bad christmas or is it just the fact that um so many shops these days are beginning to lean so heavily on the christmas period if they only get light footfall in uh, at christmas time that kind of screws their entire financial plan for the next year well the, well, the I, entire games industry has been dependent on q4 for a number of years now it's, it's yeah. just had the nature of the market it's, it's cyclical it, you know it all builds up to so not that. just brick and mortar uh, 30 no. years i mean it's always been it's always been like that right. absolutely um, um I've, i think the, the I've tried to go back through their books and their figures because you can actually all of this stuff is public knowledge because any company has to publish their finances right Uh, And I've gone back through the last three years, including their interim statement, which was the sixth month report, which they published in September. And I've also looked on, if you go onto a good uh, website to find out information about game and how they performed, is to go to The Guardian Mm -hmm. and search for Game Group. And you'll find you can actually filter all The Guardian news on on the company. And if you go through that, you then get all the kind of news reports. Mm -hmm. And they've had a weird... And James would probably bear witness to this through his um, magazine work. But they've had a weird two or three years where mm. they've constantly had strategic reviews, which in business language means let's reevaluate the way we're going to do things. And um, they've also gone through three different CEOs, chief executives, in I think four years, which is never a good sign. If I give yeah. examples of two other companies that have gone through lots of CEOs, one is Yahoo, and look how great they're doing, and another one is Hewlett Packard, look how great they're doing. So it's never a good sign if your if your company is going is is changing the the chief every eighteen months. It normally means that something's terminally wrong. Yeah. But the business isn't able to face up to what the problem is. So they make a scapegoat. Indeed. Now, if you go through the figures, it doesn't make sense because game is a is is a pretty profitable company. I mean, their margins are quite strong. Um, 
Uh, and we all know that they make a lot of money on preempt. I mean, they make 40% margin on preempt. I was they, hoping that you would uh, give us a, a potted version of what you've uh, lamented in the past. As I think that's uh, part of the problem. It's, it's not the root cause. It's part of the problem. I mean, almost, I think it's something like half of their their their, their profit comes from pre-owned, yeah. yet pre-owned only represents 20% of all their sales. So they're reliant on a small portion of their sales to actually deliver over half of their overall profit. Mm. And it's always a dangerous place to be in because pre-owned value, so the price you can charge for a pre-owned game, mm. is is driven by demand. So because it's a second-hand product at that point, if I've, you know, um, people can sell that for whatever they want. And what we've seen in the last sort of three or four years is the price of new games has tumbled. Mm. I think MC, MCV did a piece where they said that new games are falling by about thirty percent in in six weeks. Yeah. So if you Would think you attribute that largely to game or um, just in the UK because it's not like that in America. It's, it's not. It's no. The, it's the UK's um, very retail retailers. They're, it's a very competitive landscape. Um, you know, I, I do uh, MCV. I do international territory reports. And they all kind of, you know, like, and when I say they, I'm talking like France, Germany, Australia, New Zealand, US, even places like Poland and, and smaller markets, say so that they don't suffer from the same kind of pricing competition that the UK does. It's partly, you know, the supermarkets kind of loss leading um, with video games so that they can, you know, drive footfall in stores for their other kind of, you know, the, the stuff they actually make their bread and butter on. It's Hang on, Adam, you just went into financial uh, gobbledygook there. Loss leading being that they will take loss, a loss on the loss game. Loss leading that meaning that... You're shopping yeah. there. Loss leading, they, they take a loss on it. They sell it for less than they actually paid for it. Yes. They sell they it for less than... They, they hope you come in and buy, you know, a load of shopping at the same time, basically. Yeah. Um, the, the, I mean, the other... Give an example of why the UK is a bit weird like this. is actually to look at a different industry. If you look at the gambling industry, okay, which... Yeah. Um, if you go about 10 years, if you wanted to bet, you used to have to pay for the privilege. You used to have to pay a tax, and sometimes you'd have to become a member of a, a website or something in order for you to do bet on horses or football or whatever you want. And it was very, very competitive. You only have to watch um, Sky Sports to see that every advert break is about umpteen different bookmakers trying to sell you their services. It's so competitive that we've reached a point now where the bookies are paying you to bet. So they'll give you 10, 20, 30, 50 quid if you open an account and bet. And it's just an example. That's an, another sort of example of the loss-leading culture that you have in, 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 in uh, British retail. And it's, it's always been there. We've always... I mean, Napoleon called us a, a nation of shopkeepers, and he, he wasn't far wrong. We have this barrow boy market mentality you know market store mentality where we're always trying to undercut in order to get the, the trade and then once mm. we've got the trade we think we can keep hold of it and it tends yeah. to be a it tends to be a nosedive actually and eventually the bubble bursts and, and everything falls to pieces because well, you have to basically keep those people it's not a yeah. case of well i always go to game because they get the best deals because if someone else can offer them less indeed and that's part of the problem okay so um there was this, there was this fully loyalty. Yeah, indeed. Well, their loyalty scheme is mega successful. That's another, another point. So if you think about it, the price of new games has been falling, which means that the price of used games has also been falling. In fact, the price of used games has fallen slightly faster. Now, at the same time, gamers become increasingly dependent on their used game sales to the point where they're offering crazy deals in order to use pre, pre-owned software to restock their shelves. So basically what they do 
is they'll buy, say, 10,000 copies of, I don't know, Mass Effect 2. And rather than, once they've sold all those, rather than buying another 10,000 copies of Mass Effect 2, what they hope to do is get 5,000 of them back so they can restock their shelves from stuff they've already sold. So they started aggressively pursuing that about three years ago. And their, their used game sales went, initially went up. But what happened was that the, the margin, the profit they were making on those used game sales, got badly squeezed as this price war took hold. So basically they, they were got, making less than they were hoping. They, well, exactly. When the initial pursuit took place, they were making a much higher margin, and now they're not. Indeed, yeah. So their margins on those have dropped, and they were so dependent on them uh, that it's caused some problems. Now, of course, when they then go cap in hand to the publishers and say, oh, mm. please, 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 can you extend your credit agreements because we desperately want to help you to get your products in the store. They're all sort Do of... Do you? Right? Well, yeah, this is the, you, you're the same guys that, that you know... Used to order stock. Cannibalizing our products. Yeah, you used to order stock from us once a month and you kept reordering. And now, instead of doing that, you order it once. And if you don't sell it in the first week, you just get it all back in through pre owned. So, you know, it, it, it's. There is a finite amount of goodwill you can have with people that you end up selling and reselling the same thing you bought from them. Indeed. I mean, the, the hard. I mean, uh, as James knows, the hardware manufacturers have always. James been, will get a word in edge ways at some point. Yeah, he will do. No, yeah. it's fine. I, the thing is, Gary's saying this all very well, so. Yeah, no, carry on. Um, it's the hardware manufacturers have had a good relationship with them. And um, oh, James, you can probably tell, tell the story about Sony, because I know Sony have got a really good relationship with game, haven't they? Yeah, so, Sony, have start, Sony are the one company that's stuck by game through all of this. Um, like, you know, when launching the PlayStation Vita, Vita was only available to try out in terms of demo booths through Game and Game Station stores. The official launch was obviously handled through Game. And even, like, the kind of um, PlayStation Ambassador scheme which Sony run, which is basically where store staff can sign up to a certain Sony site and learn about the products and get trained in how to sell these products. Sony's put on all this and kind of worked very closely with Game on the Vita launch. And they've kind of, they're the ones that have shown the most support to Game since Christmas and since all this started began because this all you know it really started to get um, out of control around January when yeah. game really kind of realised how bad things had gone I mean they've been reporting losses since um, kind of April last year certainly the one that I remember yeah, um, was, possibly yeah. before that yeah. um, but it's January where it got really out of control Sony I mean, stuck by them and then other publishers didn't in more recent weeks I mean, the bizarre thing is, in 2008, they reported record profits. Their share price was... Well, the industry was... They, they, four quid. <laughs> this, is what, this is the problem. The industry peaked in 2008 because just the stunning amount of games coming out, the amount of money that people had. World at War, which beat Modern Warfare. It yep. was Fallout 3, which did you know, gangbusters, as the Americans say. Um, it was Fables. I, I, and I can't really think of any other specific games it I was more a case of it, it was just the fact that there were so many good yes, games yes. there was a lot of pri- there was, that was the year when we had the big price cuts on the that was yes as well. mm. so everything, started, everything got really kind of competitive in telling you like, the, the price cutting like a week or two after the, after the games had come out mm. um, but, but the point is like the, 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 the industry kind of peaked there like all generations, all generations, console generations, peak around the middle. So 2008 was our peak, and then they start to decline as the hardware gets not old, but um, kind of you know they've run out of things to do with the hardware. This generation has gone on longer than than console generations usually do. Usually by now we've had new consoles. We haven't in this case. It's the tail end, the stretched, strained tail end of the current console generation. So everyone's profits are down. 
Um, yeah. And everyone, everyone's kind of suffering in decline because just the market itself is shrinking. So this it's the happens. winter that the game industry are trying to tell you is still autumn. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And also, gamers found itself outperformed by some of its uh, competition. Hmm. Um, I've read a lot of um, stuff about, particularly in the in the mass media, about um, how game is losing sales to uh, other online retailers and um, uh, you know, sort of digital distribution but if you actually look at the facts that's not actually true games actually grown their mm. their online uh, division and they've they actually rep- they actually had 19% of the uh, online boxed sales market in the UK so basically one in five video games that were bought on the internet new went through either game game station or gameplay last year so they actually their online business was doing really well um, although this year they they changed their website and ballsed it up, and I think they lost a lot of customers because of that. But also, does it mean that people who would otherwise have actually gone into the shop and bought it now, with the reassurance that they could take it back to a physical shop if they needed to, yeah. were going to the game website rather than going to the game stores? Was that cannibalising yeah. their own well, uh, business? Yeah, and also that I mean, they were, the the game website was pretty competitive. They were more or less on par with everyone else. Sometimes a little bit cheaper, sometimes a little bit more. So they were. You know they were they were competing with the shop twos and the play dot coms and the Amazons and stuff, and they were doing quite well. You know, and yeah, I mean they, what they wanted you to do, they wanted you to buy it online and then take it into the shop to trade it in. They basically wanted their shops. This was what their strategic review was trying to do uh, this time last year was basically to turn their shops into a loyalty card pre-owned haven. Oh. So you would you would you basically turn it into a glorified CEX. So you'd buy your stuff online. Then you would then go into a game back. store, trade it in, put credit on your um, card, and then use your card to then buy used games that they had in store. And then you kept going through that round that cycle. I was told about that the loyalty card that basically did they also do something that was um, you could buy you could go into a game store and buy money to be used online in online digital yeah, games. Yeah, uh, the yeah. game wallet. That's a new yeah. scheme this out both I think it was kind of October, November ish that they've tried. Yeah. yeah, it's things like that. they're also like, you know, this is the um the big strategy review that Zan's referring to is um from last last February. They were gonna start doing click and collect stuff. Um they wanted to kind of triple their digital revenue revenues, i.e. like the more the amount of money that they get from selling digital products. So yeah, they they've worked closely with them. Um, Microsoft is now Sony, so you can go into game and buy a, a points card that doesn't just give you points, it gives you a code specifically to buy uh, that, that lets you download specific DLC or XBLA games like Trials, Limbo, etc. Right. And they're trying to focus... And that's something that a lot of retailers are are either considering doing or or are trying to do because, obviously, you know, digital games and downloadable games are... Becoming much more prominent in the market. It's not to the point. It's not to the point where they're out. You know, more more people are downloading games than buying them. Well, hang on. Does that mean that you'd be paying more for, say, Trials HD two then, uh, because you'd be buying it through game rather than just buying it through your Xbox? Not necessarily. I don't know how the prices work out. If I remember right, the game, the the cards are about nine ninety nine. I don't yeah. know how that translates into Microsoft points, but I, I don't think there's a massive price disparity between the There'll between. Be a s- There'll be some retailer margin on it, so there'll probably be twenty yeah, percent. There'll be small margin because it's just basically a card. Yeah. But there'll be some on there, and it will just be a, a chip off of what you know Microsoft would have taken themselves had they sold it direct. So nine ninety nine is almost twelve hundred points. I just I mean I just got a couple of quotes for you from Games for, uh, yeah. Report because some of the language is is quite telling. I think so. This is the chief executive talking about 
they are novel ways to buy, which is a coded way of saying pre-owned. Um, <laughs> he says, the power of pre-owned and trading should not be underestimated in this marketplace. Pre-owned forms the backbone of our value proposition, allowing customers to liquidate their unwanted assets, yeah. giving them a lower price alternative. And it's actually, um, if, if anyone wants to, to read it, if you go to, um, I think it's, GameGroup.com. I can't remember the actual full website now. But yes, GameGroup.plc.uk. Mm. If you go to that website and read their annual report 2010-2011, there is a user journey, which is um, something that we have at work, which is where you kind of... You, if you've ever seen The Apprentice, you would have seen them do this, where they, they make up a fake person, and this is their, their journey through the, the retail environment. And um, if you just read that, it talks about basically... Like I said earlier, buying online, taking it into a store to trade it in, seeing some other promotion, buying a special edition, taking that back a week later to trade it in. You know, it's it was this this obsession, this obsession they had with with trading, which has really blinded them because yeah. that's where they saw the money was, and actually that's where the most risk was because that market was always going to contract fastest when the value of the value proposition or the value of gains deteriorated, and that's. So the better they did, the worse they were ever going to do. Basically. Now, oh. others will say, well, what about CEX? Because they're really successful. But the thing you have to bear in mind with CEX that most punters don't realise is they're all privately owned. It's a franchise. Whereas, like Subway. Like Subway. Indeed, exactly the same. So whereas Game have to pay rent on these 1,300 properties they've got around Europe and Australia, yeah. CEX pay nothing because they don't own any of them. They basically have people paying them to use their branding and their stock control system and everything else. Okay. So they're being... The thing is, the game is they're being really heavily outmaneuvered by the competition. They're just nowhere near... They're not agile enough to respond. And in many ways... It, the kindest thing to do would be to let them fail because otherwise we're just propping... You know, banks or wherever it is, you're just propping up a business that isn't working. And... There shouldn't be any con- too much concern about that because other people will come and fill the gap. We, when Woolworths went, mm. everyone was like, oh my God, you know, where am I going to go and buy my light bulbs now? But if you look around most towns now, you'll find a big Wilkinson's, you'll find a Range or a Dunelm or somebody else. These other retailers have grown out of nothing and filled the space that Woolworths occupied. Have you been to a B&M I've heard of them. They're similar, aren't they? Yeah. They're like the reanimated corpse of Woolworths. <laughs> it's grim. Now, the, re- the reanimated corpse nice. of uh, Woolworths was Allworths, which uh, yeah, yeah. Lo- I think only lasted like a year on the market before that went under. It's really what? Wilkinson's. I mean, Wilkinson's stock exactly the same stuff that Woolworths did, and it smells mm. the same. You know, so. <laughs> um, but speaking you know, of smell, if CEX is going to become the only place I can buy second-hand games, <laughs> I'll stick to eBay. I, I, I actually, speaking of which, the whole uh, somebody got a screen cap of um, some games on extremely low price uh, when games started to panic a few weeks ago, understandably so. And um, the, the, the banner said, pre-owned. The only difference is price. Now, and I tweeted this as in response, that's not strictly true, is it? Because... No, it's... It, in fact- I got a copy of Gears of War 2 from them all. Sharon had to pick one up, and they were just about to close, so she had no time to be choosy. And the box and manual are what, what I could only describe as disgusting <laughs> and had to throw away. It's also not true, because since 2010, a lot of games, you only get half work. You get locked out of certain content. $10 deal. Yeah. Yeah. I am actually behind EA's $10 deal, because of the extremely aggressive market for uh, second-hand games. Yeah, I don't think it's unreasonable, particularly... 
um, as they uh, tend to turn these services off after a few years. So then there's no point in <laughs> you don't even have to worry about buying yeah. the. Uh, I mean, you know, um, people will know that I've always been very against game and HMV selling pre games, but that doesn't mean that I'm against the pre market. I actually think a pre market is really important. Mm. Um, in many ways, you know, after sort of six to twelve months when games aren't when the game isn't printed anymore, mm. it's the only way you can get the game is to get it used or second hand. Yeah. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. The issue with both of these two retailers and in, and both of them are in trouble is that they were trying to use pre-owned stuff as a mechanism of restocking which is completely different mm. than you you know going out and selling your copy of i don't know mirror's edge for a tenner on ebay that's you mm. know or, or, or that's or, a private uh, sale it's not it's indeed re- relying on the entire country to bring back call of duty on time is not a quantifiable resource no indeed and you can't you don't you can't guarantee that value so they're giving everyone you know like take mass effect 3 they were offering 35 quid you know trade in on that after a week, so but they can't guarantee they can sell that for thirty five quid. Yeah, in two because weeks the time. people who are now pissed off with Mass Effect Three, <laughs> yeah. see you next yeah, because, episode. Yeah, because you could go on eBay and probably pick it up for twenty five, thirty quid. So and somebody who likes Transformers bought it and then heard all everyone bitching about the ending on Twitter and couldn't even be bothered to finish. Indeed. So I mean, that's you know, that, that kind of crazy. And like I said, in any ways, you you want them to fail in some ways but you don't want people to lose their jobs obviously yeah. but that's the thing we are talking about game here and for everyone who is in any way involved with uh, game or game station and actually just works for them we feel for you right now because I, I'm out of work I've been out of work for friggin months it sucks mm. and I'm really really sorry that so many people are going to be entering the same uh, horrible market and like, where... like, like Gary I've, I've felt the, um, the pain of walking into work one day and being told yeah you're uh, you're we don't have a job for you anymore. Yeah. The entire company's gone under. Yeah. You may, you must pack up your stuff and leave. Who did you work for that uh, went under? That was um, Skep Media. It was a small publisher, and it was the first magazine I used to work on. And I, you know, I got in. I got in on a Monday morning, thinking, "Yep, okay, here we go, another day of work. Gonna get on with this." And we just got pulled aside at like ten o'clock. You know, I got in at half nine. Got pulled aside at ten o'clock. They just said, "Right, there's no easy way to say this. The company has run out of money. We've gone into insolvency. This woman here is from our uh, administrator. She will be." helping you claim back any wages that you're owed. Um, very sorry. Please pack up your desks. And, that, and that's what happened. And, and don't get me wrong. I, so we, we at MCV, we are in a, a kind of a really tricky position right now. Everything we write, our, our target readers, our main readers are gaming, game station staff, and, other, and obviously other retailers, yeah, HMV, Tesco's, etc. We are for retail. That is the primary audience for MCV. We are for, for retail. We have been writing this stuff knowing that it affects the majority of our readership. And they obviously have been quite upset with us. And you've had a very, very vocal share of people on um, Twitter going, oh my God, why do you keep on putting these stories on? Why do you keep on stressing out my staff, my friends, my colleagues? What on earth is you doing? You horrible people. Why? And we've had a lot of hate mail and, and a lot of hate tweets over the, um, the last week or so. But it's, it's our job. It's our job to cover what's going on. Um, and and, and you know, this is the biggest thing to happen to games retail in the last 15, 20 years. We need to stay on top of this. And, we, and, and if anything, we're doing it to keep everyone informed. Hmm. You know, because as much as we've had hate mail, hate tweets, we have had people saying, thank you so much. I didn't realize what was going on. It's good to know that you're actually not keeping anything from me. 
Um, you know, we've we you know we've had people like some some people have you know said, oh, what are you on about? Um, this is horrible. And the next day saying, yeah, actually, I've just got told my shop my shop might be one the one that close is closing. So it's it's really tough because we can hear and and see the people the, the you know the, the the guys who are affected this suffering, and there's nothing we can do about that. Mm. Um, and it's just and it's it, it, we wouldn't we, none of us would wish it on anyone. Um, then, but there does seem to be this kind of misconception that we're delighting in this, and the way oh let, let let's get some more game stories up because it'll uh, make things even worse. That's absolutely not what we're doing. I have spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people. Stand by thyself. Come not near to me, for I am holier than thou. I'm so indie that my shirt don't fit. You wonder out loud. It sounds a lot. You why you come so ill-equipped? Because being all prepared to get on the mic is selling out. And I'm not even about to relinquish indie clout. I look confused like I just got out of bed. The rhyme style reflects this. Use my overdeveloped sense of irony to deflect dismissals exploding all around me. Unpromoted, don't know how you found me. Soundly situated in obscurity land. Famous in inverse proportion to how cool I am. And should I ever gone a triple-digit fans? You can tell me then there's someone I in India band. Indie I be, ain't an obscure rapper out there who be indier than me. Indie and how, come not near to me, for I'll be indier than thou. Indie indeed, if I were on an indie label, you could call me mainstream. Indie I am, you all the better for the front a lot to leverage his brand. I am sought of them that asked not for me. I am found of them that sought me not. These are a smoke in my nose. Delving deep into my letterbox when I discovered fan mail for NC Prime. It kinda hovered before my vision. I made a decision to open it up. It said, yo, front a lot, you suck. <laughs> well, I was worried for a second that I started to earn love. Seeing all my indie points burned up. Next, you know, I'm meeting pop stars and stretch cars. Doing the soundtrack to the Wendy's tie-in with Jar Jar. Paying rent, owning things. Suing Kazaa with my best friend Sting. It's like a nightmare. Yeah. Cause that ain't nerdcore. No. And yes, I'm indier than thou within my nerdcore. Flow. If you're slow on the uptake, I'll lay it out. Hipsterism is a religion to which you gotta be devout. You must be seen as in between, unpopular and hated, or else get excommunicated. Indie I be, ain't an obscure rapper out there who be indier than me. Indie and how, come not near to me, for I'll be indier than thou. Indie indeed, if I were on an indie label, you could call me mainstream. It's probably also worth pointing out that high street retailers selling video games is really important to the market and it's difficult. that was going to be my next question it's, it's, it's difficult for the likes of us who are basically very technically savvy very internet and social networking savvy to understand that you know for a lot of people the concept of going onto an online website and buying a game is still fairly alien and and I think um, uh, boxed copies sold at retail still make up well over half of all the games sold you know, which is a it's a huge amount. You know, it's a it's a I can't remember the figure that was in MCB, but it's a billion pound industry. You know, more than that. I think it's something like three and a half billion pound industry. It's, isn't it's it? so three and a half billion. It's it's 
2.9 billion if you're just going on retail sales. Yeah. It's more than 3 billion, I think it's 3.5 billion if you throw in um, accessories and download games and toys and merchandise and strategy guys and all this. And, you know, and that's, that's just the stuff that we could work out and it's actually quantify. It's massive. So, as I say, the, the weird thing is that games' overall performance as a business is not, is not you know, terminal. It, it makes a decent amount. Its profits are poor, but its actual turnover and things like footfall. Their footfall was up last year. I mean, this is the weird thing. But it's well, the, 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 the fact that people keep on forgetting that through all this game thing is game sold more, as in the game group, sold more video games last year than any other retailer in the UK. Yeah. So it's not that they're struggling sales-wise. Yeah, they made a fantastic amount of money with uh, with a show called Game Fest last year. Yeah. They were actually branching out into doing more than just selling games. Yeah. That was a great idea. They were starting to to do lots of things which they needed to do. They were starting to get more involved in sort of digital sales as well. You know, sort of downloading PC games and stuff as well. But again, they weren't doing it quick enough, and this they were saddled all the way through this with this huge property portfolio they've got. You know, and yeah. everyone will, everyone you speak to will tell you a story about how their high street has a game and a game station that are about fifty yards apart, mm. and, and perhaps another game somewhere else. Yeah, uh, yeah, not too far away. And I think I, I said this one already during the, the many weeks of drama that nobody on the planet is going to. When, when presented with a game that is actually more than 30 steps away, throw their pre-owned game down on the pavement and say, I cannot get that far, in disgust. No. Ultimately, that they bought up multiple stores in the Starbucks way to to edge out competitions because there would be market saturation of game, but then they have to upkeep each one. Yeah. And ultimately, then, if someone wants to buy a new copy of Call of Duty, you're paying twice as many staff to sell it to them, you're paying twice as much rent to keep the same one copy yeah. on I the mean, shelf. That's the crazy thing. And, and really, we have, the finger should really be pointed at the OFT for the Office of Fair Trading for that, because they, they agreed to the game purchase of GameStation, which, in hindsight... Was has been a disaster. You know that was really where the rot started. You know mm. up until that point, they both of them. Well, um, GameStation was actually owned by Blockbuster, but at the time, yeah, they were they were often combining Blockbuster and GameStation. Indeed, still, yeah. but um, Blockbuster were in trouble and they needed the money, so they sold it. But I mean, Game were doing very nicely, thank you very much, and they saw this opportunity to basically kill off the competition by owning it. Um, which is always a certain perceived indie style to GameStation that was like, if I go to GameStation, I'm not giving the money to the man. And if it's the same company that owns it, that yeah. defeats the object. Well, they also were, were a bit more diverse than Game because they used to sell a lot of um, retro stuff. Yeah. Um, they used to do a lot more accessories, which is one of the reasons they were so attractive, I think, to Game because their accessories business was much more successful. And they're more accessible if you actually walked into a game station. The the actual business ethos is far more relaxed, and you can just sort of you can chat to the people behind the counter. In Game, they actually make their staff come over and pester you like they would at Curry's. Yeah, mm. I, I don't think their branding is particularly good either. I think Game Game's branding looks very dated and. Mm. It uh, doesn't really say video game. I know they they did that intentionally originally, but it it kind of just looks it just needs a complete rework. Now their their flagship store that they opened in Stratford City, the, the new Olympic site, which I oh, passed every day, and I've been in. You know, I go in quite regularly. You know, a couple of times a week, I just have a poke around. Yeah. If they could do that with their other stores, it's kind of like the Apple the Apple stores. They've kind mm. of copied that format. That's the sort of thing they should be going for. 
Um, but but they're not just streamlined down, cut half the stores off. Well, they, well that's, the that's what they're trying to do. And they, this but is the thing. Like they, it's they, not they, quick they are. Enough, though, is it? No, it's not. In the strategy review last February, they said they are going to trim down their store count from whatever six hundred and whatever it was. I think it was nine. Yes. It was six. It's six sixty at the moment. I think it was like nine on seven hundred last time. Um, so they have been slowly trimming. They have away. been slowing yeah, them down. They have. They have been. Yeah, they have been they have been um, shutting stores. They want to get it down to five fifty by I think it's two thousand thirteen, and they are closing stores. And this is the thing, you know, in, in all the confusion about all oh, gamer going bust and blah 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 in the last month or so, there've been stories about all oh, thirty five stores have been told they're going to close. Well, that's just they're still trimming them them down as much as you can't as much as they they're trimming the, the store counts down too slowly. Equally, you can't just say you're right. Uh, I'm just going to cut this hundred stores because you have to, you know, take into account you know, like um, the the wages and the a- areas and which ones you're going to get rid of. And it, it's not possible to just drop a hundred stores and where go. They are slowly but surely they are working cutting down their store counts. You say that, but the administrator will do it overnight. So. Well, yeah, exactly. yeah, this is true. It's, it's not possible to do that without really upsetting a lot of people, unless you're already going to administration, in which it, case people can be upset. It's seen as well how many stores they've got. For such a small market, in terms, like, you know, the UK is it's not a small market monetarily. Geographically, the UK is a small market. Game are a fairly strong presence in, um, like, in Europe, like, you know, so in France and Spain and all that. In France, they have two hundred stores. Mm. Two hundred stores in a country that I think you can fit Britain in like three or four times. Mm. And then across Britain, you've got five hundred stores. Once they've pruned all the extra ones that they're trying to close at the moment. Mm. it's insane something that occurred to me a few weeks ago I actually blogged about it but um, there is some rumour tonight that a, 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 a what they may do from MCV I might add from MCV <laughs> but this is quite we, don't, we don't do rumour honestly I, I'm not telling the company line if we've put that up we've heard that from yeah, a good it authority will be, cause I've seen this happen before so my sister worked for a Scottish uh, clothing retailer she was actually a manager uh, called USC and they did exactly this Okay, so they had they had loads of stores. They had lots of rents that they owed. Um, they were in financial trouble. So they did this little trick, which is what's being referred to here. Well, basically, you put part of the, you split the company, and then the part you keep part of the company, and you form a new company from it. And then the remainder of the company you then put into administration. So what you do is you put all of your stores that you don't want into the company that goes into administration, because then you can get rid of them and not have to worry about all the rent. And then you start a brand new company with the smaller set of stores um, sort of funded from what you had originally, partially funded, because you can't fully fund it because it would be illegal, but sort of kicked off from what you had originally, which is then exempt from administration because effectively it's a different, it's a separate entity and so it can't be subject to... And it trades under a different name. Trades well, under right? a different name. Now, they game have basically got two, fran- they've got two franchises. So, in fact, they could do it one of three ways. They could split it and keep game or game station. Now, mm. I, like you, Alex, my... My thoughts would be that they would keep GameStation because it's a smaller business, it's leaner, and on on uh, most of their GameStation stores are larger. But apparently, most of the GameStation stores also aren't in the best positions. But I think that's but that's irrelevant because I think gamers will walk to wherever the best, you know, wherever the well, best store could, is. Surely you could simply uh, just rebrand the existing game stores in the best positions yeah. at GameStation and just move the stock there. Yeah. So this is what this is what happened to my sister's company, USC. They kept I think six of their stores and then they shut the other sixty. And they basically split it into a different company, and it was called like USC2 or something, you know. And that, that company survived, and everything else went into administration. And this is quite a common thing that happens. So I can, I can definitely 
imagine that's an option they're considering because at the moment they're considering anything they're they're after a sugar daddy and they're after the banks <laughs> to be kind we've got to mention the dating site oh yes <laughs> well i'm not even gonna you know what i'm not gonna mention the name of the dating site because it's, it is simple pathetic transparent pr on the part of this site they know that game aren't going to say yes but it's a good way to get their name in the it's, news it's not, not even it's not even what it's pretending to be it's a white label da- dating site it, i.e. It's, it's drawing from a database from another dating site, pretending to be, oh, look, these are gamers. There are these two girls arguing over a, a man, yes. A man, that looks, a man that looks to me like Ian Lee. Because yeah, that's the ratio <laughs> of gamers these days. Yeah. It's two hot females who just can't get a date, and one lucky fellow in the middle. Shameless. Either way, uh, the, the implication was that they could somehow combine... Dating amongst gamers with game stores. <laughs> yeah. Sort of implying that all gamers are sad, lonely people, which is, you know, <sighs> a grotesque stereotype. Welcome to the biggest dating site in the UK, with a particular slant for helping gamers hook up. Whether you want to date an online player, meet up with fellow geeks, or get some nookie just before you get into another Call of Duty session, this is your site. Gaming is hot, so don't stay single any longer. Come in and play. Pathetic www.permeatingofyes.co.uk What can game now do? There's, as far as I can tell, there's four possibilities that have to happen by this coming Monday. Well, there was. Uh, they have to refinance. Uh, they need a... Which basically... What would, the, what would refinancing entail, Gary? They would need to renegotiate the terms of their loans with the banks. So right. they need to get... A bigger loan, probably longer term, lower interest rate, that sort of thing. Didn't happen. Okay. Uh, this is from the MCB article, by the way. Uh, they need a, a white knight investor, which I'm assuming is someone swooping in and going, it's okay, guys, 180 million, I'll pay all that. There you go. Well, I think Opcapita Opt are the favourites for that. No. Um, yeah, Opcapita have offered to come in and, and buy it, basically buy it, pay off games debt. Right. And then they would have a controlling share in it, right? Yeah, they... Mm. In, well, they would they would own it. I mean, they 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 bought Comet uh, two years ago um, yeah, for two pounds. For two pounds, yeah, and they've um, they've actually been in quite well. Um, they've streamlined it and they've made Comet go a bit more down market, but it seems to be working. So they seem to know what they're doing anyway. They could go into administration, which is what we've been talking about, or there's the new plan, which is to basically cut it up into what's profitable, what's not, mm-hmm. letting the not what's not profitable side of it slip, fall, become the scapegoat, let everyone who works in those stores uh, get their last paycheck and go, and then uh, all of the stores that uh, are actually doing well, whether they be game station or game, or whether they're just going to cut one or the other, rebrand the whole thing, keep all the stock, and then sell that way. Basically, yeah. Right. And there are, there are a lot of companies out there at the moment who are actually preparing for, if game go into administration, buying the bits they want. It's the, so, the, the website in particular. The yeah, website, exactly, yeah. Name. So, uh, and, you know, there's a couple of online... Um, on, Why online would you the name? <laughs> <laughs> no, a couple of online, online retailers want the game.co.uk domain because, you know, regardless, because as much as we're following all this and we are following this closely, there is a lot of people who don't know that the game is going yeah, up. It, ha- it happened with Zavi because the hut bought Zavi. I'm sure it would be the hut yeah. sniffing around because they've got umpteen bloody... Oh, yeah, names. no doubt, no doubt. The hut was, yeah, That's what they do. Probably. I mean, the hut... The hut also supply. You know, if you buy anything from Asda, you're buying it from the hut. So you know, they're, they're very canny with the way they hide who you're actually buying stuff from. So there are I, even people. There are even companies who want to buy the loyalty card database. So buy the loyalty card scheme. So they've got access to those customers, which is 19. Point million people. 
So all that loyalty will be sold off. Yeah, basically. You'll, you'll be, that you'll be... isn't how loyalty works. <laughs> yeah, we... <laughs> does in this case <laughs> okay um, so it's possible that the hut could 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 they feasibly could game end up much like Woolworths and Zabby yes just just online business yeah essentially yeah. being an online brand being operated it, by it, another quite, quite possibly the, the, the stores I mean Christ the, you know, I, I think one of the ones that's um, reportedly put in an offer is Walmart um, and yes. that, that's been said that it, that's been suggested that it wouldn't even be to Buy, you know, Walmart wouldn't even buy the game stores and then, you know, make a games business. They just, but they just want the retail footprint of 600 stores around the uh, UK that they can then turn into maybe, you know, this is a possibility, turn into little Asda's to kind of counter the the Sainsbury's local and the Tesco Express that's springing up everywhere. Little Asda's on the high street. Yeah, mm. well, you you, ju- you you laugh, but they, they I'm not laughing. I'm some crying. Of the, some of the go- yeah, some of the game stations in particular are quite mm. large. So it's, yeah. it's, you can see that happening. Um, there are Tesco Expresses and, and Sainsbury's locals all over the place. As I've said, no disrespect to game employees, but if they're going to keep either brand style, I'd rather they went with Game Station because I feel less uncomfortable walking into one, especially now. I always thought that the, <clears throat> what they should have done when they talked about restructuring last year is they should have been quite aggressive and keep the Game Stations and just turn Game into an, in, to, to be the online store. So if yeah. the game that you cut. Game.co.uk is your online store. So like you said before, it would be new stuff sold online and pre-owned stuff mainly in the game stations and the brick-and-mortar stores. Yeah, although they, they would have to fundamentally change their strategy because that's what's got yeah. this, place in the, this problem in the first place. But well, Would that make their, um, their brick-and-mortar stores effective just CEX or would they actually still get regular new stock in? I think they would, just, they would want to have new stock in. I think they, st- they still want to have that new stock in. Um, you know, that's... That's you know, it's the, you know, people will go into a game to look at new games. It's the mm. same in the board game industry as well. I mean, I, I'm very good friends with a guy who runs a board game shop, and um, yeah. he only stocks new stuff because there's no point stocking old stuff because no one wants it. Yeah, you know, so it's very you know uh, short term in terms of what you can sell. Let's say that game do go into administration. Let's say they disappear from the high street, and the businesses that take game and game stations place don't follow the same business patterns. What's that going to do to the UK gaming industry and the way that it, the way the games are bought? Uh, it's sold. I think the worry, uh, and I think uh, Eurogamer and MCV both did articles along these lines, is that it starts to mirror the book industry where supermarkets dominate mm. and really it's only the best sellers that mm. get out, there onto, out onto the high street. Yeah, We're already uh, kind of seeing the... Nowadays, the only games that really sell, you know, sell in enough quantities to really recoup their costs are the massive titles, the FIFA's, the Call of Duties, or the casual hits like Zumba Fitness. Mm. It's all, you know, the market's already being becoming narrowed towards either core blockbusters or, you know, family, you know, fads essentially, right. you know, like uh, Just Dance and so forth. You know, bubbles that could potentially burst, and it means that there is no ground for there's there's no ground for middle. There's, there's no room for middle ground titles. There's nowhere for Bionic Commando. There's nowhere for Bionic. No, but Hang on, know, should we say a good game instead? <laughs> yeah. No, companies like you know THQ, Codemasters, Namco, Bandai, they're finding it a lot harder as it is. You know, even with you know this massive specialist retailer kind of champion, that we're, we're, it, it's specialist retail that, that gamers will go to get pick up things like Ace Combat, Dark Souls, etc. People will go to Game or GameStation or HMV or whatever. 
places that know games and stock a decent quantity of games to get mm. these kind of middle ground titles. And they are middle, you know, like they are middle ground compared to the likes of FIFA, Call of Duty, Need for Speed, etc. And also, the possibility is if they're relatively old, they might have it in pre-owned. Whereas a brand Any, new stock, anything anything older than a week, unless it's selling bucket loads, anything older than a week is not stocked in supermarkets. Sure, yeah. Mm. I think the other thing you might see, and um, I can't believe me quote where the source where I read this now, but um, something that, uh, what you've seen a, a growth of in the last few years on the high street is these kind of hybrid shops and I'll give you some examples things like the the gadget shop and there's a chain called Menkind which just stops stocks all kinds of stuff you know Menkind in particular is like stocks presents for men basically but it's 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 sort of a lot of sort of geek culture stuff a lot of sort of lag culture stuff and they're slowly sort of crossing over into and and sort of trying to bring in sort of video game type stuff into those stores and I I can't remember where I read it now, but I read some retail experts saying that if the game were to disappear, they could see that some of these stores could well pick up the slack, particularly for the hardware and accessories. <clears throat> um, and I, I think we're gonna, you're going to see more and more of that on, on the high street. In that, you know, well, part of the problem with game is that it used to be a specialist retailer, and it's almost positioned itself as a non-specialist retailer, if you like, because it went sort of very mainstream and went down this kind of car boot sale used game model. Mm. Whereas the, the the shops that are actually doing really well, um, even during the recession and, and the recovery, are the ones that are genuine specialists. So, you know, like, like those examples I gave you before. So it will probably be that they will pick up some of the slack, but they're certainly not going to be able to fill the hole, which is why, I mean, I said to James on Twitter earlier that um, there there are a couple of, medium-sized games retailers out there that could pick up some of the slack, uh, people like Granger Games. There's also, and there has been in the past, there's been a few franchise uh, models like Chips, although they, they struggled um, because of the competition from Game and Game Station. But if that competition disappears, mm. you can see that franchise model then really taking off. Because if I think about around here, where I live, there would be no competition for video games on the high street. So you could go and open a franchise... Uh, in a relatively small shop with fairly low rent a few hundred yards further down the street mm. and you would you would then pick up all of that trade so there is yeah. still a lot of money to be made it just may be I think James said what we may end up with is lots of smaller retailers which is what we had originally actually mm. many years ago when we had EB and, and, and a few others you know it it's kind of almost going back to that model do you think CEX might actually pick up the slack? And uh, I mean, in terms of CEX certainly stands to benefit. Well, yeah. given, given you know, like uh, pre-owned wise, um, yeah. they're yeah. probably the one that has the the better business model and offering in terms of pre-owned. Because as much as you can trade in games at Tesco and Asda and HMV, they've never quite got it like Game and CEX have. Mm. Um, to add to what Gary was saying, you know, like about the smaller retailers, you know, already we're kind of seeing the benefits of. Um, you know, independent retailers. You know, uh, there are a lot of independent retailers around the UK um, that have got one or maybe two stores. And you know, we uh, uh, the other staff writer at MCV, Dom Sacco, uh, is you know has close ties with quite a few of them. And they were reporting to him that they they you know the the week of um, the weekend around Mass Effect 3's release because game weren't stocking Mass Effect 3, they had their best weekend ever. And these are companies that have been in, in um, business for like 20, 30 years. And, you know, the, the indie sector has always been struggling. And now they're actually getting a share of the pie because game is 
not an option for some people. Yeah. It would give them a lifeline, and you, you mm. get the impression that some of these indies are leaner and keener and much more flexible in what they do. And actually, know a bit more about the gaming industry, it well, seems. They, Sometimes it's like they don't know what they're doing. No, they learn more about their local market. I mean, there is a, there's a, an independent retailer down here in East Kent where they've got a store in Dover and one in Ashford, you know, and I could see them opening one in Canterbury if Game and Game Station disappeared, and they know their local market. They know what sells, they know what people like, they're able to respond better to demand because they know the sort of thing, you know... They're going back in time. It's like going back to the 80s. The, the death of big business and the, the, the rise of the iOS game and then the tiny game store. Um, well, yeah, I mean, things are cyclical. And I think not that's, that's bad. It's no, just it's not. It's amazing. It's like I've gone to the Deloitte. It's, it's, even to things like... Um, what's the, you know, the, the, the reports are suggesting that the, the next Xbox might not have discs. It will have some sort of um, card <laughs> like the Vita. So and I, I run a piece on that and um, one of the, the guys I spoke to said it's basically going to be like going back to the days of selling Mega Drive and NES cartridges. What kind of cards are we talking like DS cards? We're talking no we're, we're talking either like DS cards or like um, the Vita the Vita the Vita has basically its own proprietary memory system memory mm. card system so as much as they are game cards like the DS in that they store the game there is an area of um, space on them that can save save files and potentially DLC and stuff to that card. Right. Another so hang on, so do you actually do you buy it boxed, or is it just a memory card that no, you, you, you throw you, the game onto you, digitally? You buy the, you buy the game's box. It's, it's not completely known. Obviously, all they said is there may be some form of interchangeable solid-state media, which would be... like and maybe cheaper than a Blu-ray, which is ultimately what they're doing? Solid-state media is really cheap. Really? How they could sell games on USB sticks, which is something the film industry tried to do. Film industry tried to sell films on USB stick because they're really cheap to make. Yeah. Cheaper than uh, cheaper than a Blu-ray, though. Yeah, because they're made of the same thing. I mean, Blu-rays are made of a silicon as well. So I mean, the the manufacturing for for CDs and Blu-rays is actually quite complex because but you'd have to have a Dexter style box of USB sticks, <laughs> <laughs> I mean you'd be I mean they can kind of print chips like from a printer literally yeah. um, mm. you know and a teeny teeny tiny chip I mean if you think about the chip in your chip and pin card yeah. that stores crap loads of data obviously not enough for a, a, a you know a video game but if you scale that up you're not talking about a great deal of expense. You know, it's, it's, it still seems like a half warehouse between everyone being plugged in digitally and just going, well, I want that, please, did it? And then having it downloaded. Yeah. The, to the people dream. actually putting physical media the, in. The, problem the, pipe, is, the pipe dream is that, that you'll have some form of memory card or solid-state um, card, like just a, a form of flash card. That you, like the original master system, then. Yeah, that you take into retailers, you say, I want this game, it'll burn it onto the card, and then you take it home and you play it. You know, what, what I actually heard that rumour in 1993 yeah. <laughs> what, um, for Nintendo, and that was eventually going to be the, the Ultra 64. The other key difference here, which James was alluding to, but one of the key drivers here is that, again, because of the pre-owned market, is, is, you know, I, don't, I know people are sensitive to this, but it does damage badly mm. publishers' margins, and it does drive the cost of games up. Because Absolutely. they have to, they have to get all their money back in one week, basically, and that's mm. why prices are high, and that's why we have all this bollocks DLC because it's mm. the only way they can get their money. Now, 
um, what one of what would happen if you were to have these cards? The difference between these little these little sort of SD card type things and an optical disc is you can write to the SD card, which means yeah. as soon as you insert it into your Xbox, it's locked to that Xbox. Oh, right, you right. cannot trade it in, and that I'm sure is the real nub because rentals so if it's cheaper and it locks it to the console. Yeah. There's nothing in it, really. And it also means that Microsoft don't have to say, Sony, cap in hand, may we please have the deep Blu-ray technology. Indeed. Yeah, I think, I think optical media is, 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 is... This is it. You won't see optical media <sighs> anything after this. I think it's the... It's going to be solid-state devices or it's going to be sort of downloading. I think the problem with the video games industry is that the, by its nature, it likes to go big. And, of course, um, by going big... Um, network bandwidth and, and download speeds just can't keep up with it. It's mm. different from, say, music, and to a lesser extent, film, um, in that you, it's unless you stream it, there's no easy way, no easy mechanism, no consumer-friendly way of making these games mass available. Um, you know, I think things with, like on live and stuff are more interesting because that's a streaming technology which almost completely removes the problem. Mm. But, um, but it only works if you live in London. Yes, it's pretty useless. Actually, it's pretty useless in most places, I think. Yeah. But, I mean, that's that's the route they're going down. And, and mm. I don't know, again, I feel nervous about it because it means there will be no pre-owned or yeah. there'll be no used market. And as I said earlier... So the publishers will be able to command exactly what they want to for every uh, game. Yes, which ultimately may you may see a fall in prices because, I mean, again, there's this myth that publishers just want to fleece people. They don't. They want, they want to be able to get money. They want to make profit so they can make more games so they can make more profit. So, but they don't want to make so much money that they drive people away. The exactly. Next they want to be able to sell it. There, there, is a, there is a point where you push it so far and people stop right. buying it. Um, you know, and for every Call of Duty... You know, a publisher will release three or four flops, so they need to have a Call of Duty to almost fund that that risk, that gamble they're making with those. The same as the movie industry. You know, for every Michael Bay mega blockbuster grotesque movie, they make ten small indie feeling movies that are financed from it. You know, it's 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 a similar thing. So, you know, they they need to find a way of doing it. But where I get nervous is, is that you know I know that you know games tend to only be purchased you know sort of um sold for a roundabout you know printed and sold for around about a year so what happens after a year you know how do you if these things are are locked once you've you've plugged them in and used them then mm. there's no used market and as i said it's actually healthy to have a used market but you just have to have a responsible used market one that where used games are sold maybe three six nine months after release not mm. a week not as a restocking mechanism. That's the thing, yeah. Because ultimately it's the fact that the prices plummet so fast that has, has changed the, the entire market. Oh, there isn't enough time to talk about this whole thing. There really isn't. But it's from the sounds of it, in five years' time, when the, the, the model has changed, game would have had to have changed violently anyway. So something was going to happen, yes. no matter what. Yes. Uh, if, if, at the very least, they were going to have to change the way they sold. So, we'll see. In a couple of days' time, this show will sound ridiculous because <laughs> it'll all have changed. It's basically this is a, a, a show with like three days' lifespan. This is yeah. this is the trouble, and, and believe me, I know what this feels like. It, it, it all comes down to the wire. MCV last week when went to press on. We go to press on Tuesdays, which means the magazine is sent to the printers on Tuesday. By Thursday, the stuff we'd written wasn't irrelevant. 
but new information had come out. So, you know, on the Wednesday, loads of, you know, the Op Capita deal emerged and rumours of the Walmart deal emerged. And we've gone to press where no one has bid for game. And then we've come out on a day, we've landed, you know, the magazine has landed on people's desks where two or three companies are fighting over game. And it changes so quickly. Even, you know, even, even now, like the magazine we put to press today. Mm. May well all be completely different by Thursday, Friday when it lands on people's desks. <laughs> the joys of a uh, print paper. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so ultimately, I could have waited and see and saw what was going to happen. I could have uh, waited for a year and saw what they were going to do. But ultimately, I want to talk about this right now while it's all happening, and we shall see. Maybe do another uh, show in a couple of uh, months' time, see what they've done with it. Okay, thank you. Gentlemen, very much for coming on the show. Rather than pimping your own show, Game Burst, which we all know and love, and every self-respecting listener to this show already listens to if they like games, I'm going to be trying something new, which is to seed interest in other projects. So, gentlemen, would you like to cite a podcast, a website, a series, a movie, a game, a recording artist, or a candlestick maker of your choice? Okay, so I'm going to recommend a blog by uh, a guy called John Gruber. Uh, the blog's called Daring Fireball, mm-hmm. and he's basically a technology com- commentator, although I warn you, he does have a slight preference <laughs> towards Apple and uh, its ethos, but he's, he's very good at um, putting into layman's terms some of the crazy things that are going on with technology at the moment, in particular um, stuff around privacy, um, stuff around patents. And a lot of stuff around innovation. He's particularly keen on some of the stuff that Microsoft's doing, funnily enough, around um, Windows 8. So, yeah. Um, so I think his website is daringfireball.com, but if you search for Daring Fireball, you'll find it. It's the top link you'll find. Um, if you follow his RSS feed, not only will you get his own blog post, but you'll get... He links to a lot of stuff and provides commentary on the link as well. So it's, um, it's fascinating reading a lot of the time. Mine's not quite that cerebral. Um, I'd like to pimp a project called Dead End Thrills. Uh, it's a website, deadendthrills.com, and it's a bunch of uh, people who try to make kind of artistic photos and portraits and so forth out of games, i.e. they'll go into a game and they'll take a picture of a landscape or a battle or um, an object from an angle you wouldn't usually be able to uh, um, access with the standard camera control. So they use mods and a lot to try and pull things out. And the, some of the work is stunning, absolutely stunning. You've got these sprawling landscapes of Skyrim, Mass Effect, etc. Some incredible kind of um, battle shots from Skyrim in particular. Um, some great kind of photography of cars and things like Forza and Need for Speed. Just it, it really is kind of good stuff, and they work brilliantly as uh, computer wallpapers. So um, I'm going to pimp that. And mine is going to be Robbie's Recipes, which is a copycat website of people who, if you ever wanted to know how to make JD Glaze from TGI Fridays, or Buffalo Wings like Hooters, or <laughs> salad dressing like the Olive Gardens, or uh, chicken and beef fajitas like chilies, uh, it's, it's full of recipes for mostly incredibly harmful, incredibly delicious, incredibly flavorful American food. And I've made a few of the recipes myself uh, after ordering her cookbook online, and... Um, my mouth's watering just thinking about it. It's so good. So, yeah, Robbie's Recipes. R-O-B-B-I-E apostrophe S. Apostrophe S. Got it. Gentlemen, thank you very, very much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. And, no, uh, thank you for having us. 
Yep. You've learnt the whole proceeding and there are professionalism and knowledge that I could not summon up on my own. Uh, next couple of days, there will be a Mass Effect 3 plot discussion podcast. Ooh, ooh, don't tell me anything. I still, ha- I still haven't got through. I'm only up to the bit that I don't want to say. Only listen once you have finished the game because we start off at the end. You have to. Yeah. You have been listening to Digital Gonzo. I've been Alex Shaw. And my guests have been James Batchelor and Gary Blower of Gameburst. And to the folks at Game and Game Station, this one's for you. Mr. Sandberg, thanks for coming to your performance review. No problem. So you're in charge around here, is that fair to say? Absolutely. I'm the boss. Okay, so take us through a day in the life of the boss. Well, the first thing I do is... Talk to corporate! Approve memos! Lead a workshop! Remember birthdays! Direct workflow! My old bathroom! Micromanage! Promote synergy! Hit on Deborah! Get rejected! Swallow sadness! Send some faxes! Call a sex line! Cry deeply! Demand a refund! Eat a bagel! Harassment lawsuit! No promotion! Fist for vodka! Shit on Deborah's desk! Buy a gun! In my mouth! Oh fuck me, I can't fucking do it! Shit! Pussy out! Puke on Deborah's desk! Jump out the window! Suck a dude's dick! Score some coke! Crash my car! Suck my own dick! Eat some chicken strips! Chop my balls off! Blackout in the sewer! Meet a giant fish! Fuck his brains out! Turn into a jet! Find the Russians! Crash into the sun! Now I'm dead! Uh-huh. So that's an average day for you then? No doubt. You chop your balls off and die. Hell yeah. And I think at one point there you said something about sucking your own dick? Nope. Actually, I'm pretty sure you did. Nah, that ain't me. Okay, well, this has been eye-opening for me. I'm the boss. Yeah, I know. I got that. You said that 400 times. I'm the boss. Yeah, yeah, I got it. I'm the boss. Okay, great. I heard you. Bye.